Don't you just love it when a plan comes together? You're probably familiar with that phrase. There was a TV series some years ago of, you know, I've even forgotten the name of the TV show, but you probably remember it where the star of the show always said at the end, I just love it when a plan comes together. And you have, many of you, seen a plan come together yesterday and this week in the celebration of your mother and loved one. It takes time. You meet obstacles along the way. You must overcome the obstacles, remove them in some fashion, go around them perhaps. It might even make a change in plan. But ultimately, we so frequently find that it is true, that old phrase, used mainly with salespeople, plan your work and work your plan. And we just love it, don't we, when a plan comes together. And we see the pieces fit together and it works. And our plans come to fruition. And there's great rejoicing and we're thankful and grateful. I'd like to read for you this morning and use as the basis for our study a passage of scripture when God's plan comes together. The culmination of his plan. The fulfillment and the fruition of plans that he originated in eternity past. And that he through the quarters of time has slowly yet steadily and sovereignly worked and moved until he finally puts it all together. If you have scriptures, you'll find it in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Revelation 21. I'll read a few verses from Revelation 21 and a few verses from Revelation 22 that give us a hint of that coming day when God will bring everything to conclusion, the consummation of all things. We just get a glimpse of it in the verses that we'll read. First of all, from Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. There is a good warning for us. All that we hold dear, that we treasure, and that we work so hard to achieve and we grasp so tightly to hold on to it so that we don't lose it, a day will come when it will disappear. It will be destroyed. It will be gone and it will be no more. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Now your translation may use the term tabernacle. The tabernacle of God is with men. 
He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. Then drop down to chapter 22. And we'll read just a couple verses from this chapter. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. And on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light and they will reign with him forever and ever. Wow! What a description. What a description. The consummation of all things. Did you notice as I read those verses and you followed along, did you notice any similarities with the Garden of Eden? Did you notice any? Because there were. The first two chapters of Genesis and the last two chapters of Revelation are the bookends of the Bible. Not just physically. But in God's sovereign plan, they're the bookends. I'll just point out a few of the similarities in case you didn't catch them. Did you see the river? The Garden of Eden had a river. And such an abundant river that it ultimately spread and divided into four separate rivers. A river flowed through the Garden in Eden. How about the Tree of Life? The Tree of Life existed in the Garden of Eden. The tree of which Adam and Eve could have eaten... But they chose not to eat of the tree of life. Instead, they disobeyed God and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the tree of life was in the garden. And here we see the tree of life in that new city with twelve fruits coming every month for the healing of the nations. Boy, what luscious fruit that must be. And then we see God there. God is there. What would heaven be without God? (laughs) He also was in the Garden of Eden. God walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. These are just a few of the similarities that we see between the Garden of Eden and that new city, that new Jerusalem. Another thing in the Garden of Eden that we will see, if you were to read through the, the description of it, you find some precious jewels there. 
There's gold. Onyx. Precious jewels. And that new city, we didn't read it, but you would find if you read through chapter 21 of of Revelation, the description of that city and its foundations. There's 12 layers of foundations for that city. And the streets are paved with gold. And the precious jewels on which the city rests. Similarities between the Garden of Eden and that new creation. The Garden of Eden, of course, was all new. Everything was new. God had just created it. No sin. Man and woman upright before God. And of course in that city, no sin. Holiness. The atmosphere. When do you think the first tabernacle appeared in Scripture? Just a little quick Bible quiz for you to see how well you know your Bible trivia. Oh, it's a tough question because a few years ago I would have failed that question because I would have said, well, in the wilderness, when God gave to Moses and to the children of Israel the directions and the plan and the layout of the, of the tabernacle and they, they built it and constructed it and no, that was not the first tabernacle. Actually, the first tabernacle was the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden provided the residence for God. That's where He came down to fellowship with man was in the Garden of Eden. We read there, after Adam and Eve sinned, it says that they heard the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. Now how did they know that was Him? Because they had walked and talked with Him on more than one occasion, and they knew that voice, that sound. In fact, it's a very interesting thing in Scripture that the directions given to Adam and Eve in the garden to keep and to tend the garden, we frequently think of a gardener tilling the soil, cultivating it, making the plants grow, and trimming the shrubs so that they will grow properly, but that's not what it means. In actuality, those phrases the scriptures use on frequent occasion to describe the services of the priests in the temple. They were to guard and keep the temple, which was a description of their responsibilities as priests serving God in the temple and in the tabernacle its precursor the garden of Eden provides for us the first tabernacle and we find there as Adam and Eve inhabited the garden a picture of them a prototype if you will 
of the tabernacle and their activities. For as they worked and served God in the garden temple, they foreshadowed what would come with the priests in the tabernacle and in the temple, worshiping and serving God. So the Garden of Eden provides for us the first tabernacle. And the other tabernacles and temples and the new Jerusalem that followed it fit it. The tabernacle comes from the east, just like the entrance in the Garden of Eden is from the east. It had those precious jewels in it, just like the Garden of Eden did. In fact, the priests wore them. We find God's presence coming down to dwell within the tabernacle as He came to dwell within the garden temple, the garden in Eden. And we find the priests worshiping and serving God there just like Adam and Eve worshiped and served God in the garden in Eden. We find the river. We find in Ezekiel, for example, when the prophet Ezekiel foreshadowed the coming new temple that would come down from heaven. There was a river coming out from the throne, just like we read in Revelation. So it provides for us a prototype in the Garden of Eden to show us what God had planned and purposed for His creation. That ultimately He would bring to fruition yet ahead for us. But we know from God's history the certainty of that. We don't know when that will occur. We know it will occur. So what about in between? What about in between the garden in Eden and the temple, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven upon the new heavens and the new earth? What about in between where you and I now live? We live in between those two. What about this? God is in the process of revealing two things himself and his plan of redemption that will bring sinners like you and me back to himself so that he may bring us into the garden of Eden of all garden in Edens <laughs> the new Jerusalem the new city the new heavens and the new earth He started with Abraham. He promised to Abraham that his seed would multiply like the sand of the seashore, like the stars of the heavens. So great would they be. And he said, Of your seed, you will bless all of the nations of the earth. Seed. 
Where do you remember the first appearance of seed? The seed in the Garden of Eden? God promised to Adam and Eve after they had sinned. He promised to them a champion. One who would come who would crush the head of the serpent. And how did he describe that one? He will come as the seed of the woman. Ah, a human like you and like me. Physical body. That seed traced its way to Abraham and God called out Abraham and he called to him and he made a covenant with him and he made promises with him he said if you will follow me and obey me I will make of you a great nation and we see that nation in slavery down in Egypt they'd lived there for over 400 years as slaves in Egypt God didn't forget his plan He said he would work it through Abraham and through his seed and he remembered. He saw them in servitude down in Egypt and he brought them out. And he brought them to Sinai and ultimately into the promised land which he had promised to Abraham when he first made his covenant with him. That seed you can trace down through Abraham, down through David down through Solomon until you come to David's greatest seed Jesus the culmination of all of the promises of the prophets and that God had made to Abraham and that God had made to Adam and Eve in the garden ultimately he brought his son We read in Galatians, it says that in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, that He might redeem them who were under the law. That's you and me. People like you, and people like me. Jesus fulfilled all of the requirements that God had laid out for a Redeemer. He fulfilled all of the requirements that God had promised back to Adam and Eve in the garden of the one who would crush the head of the serpent. And he did that on the cross. And on the cross, when he crushed the head of the serpent, he also made payment. He made payment in full to the Father for the sins of people like you and like me. That he might redeem for himself a people he then promised that he would send the Holy Spirit who would come to live and indwell people like you and me because he himself it tells us in John chapter 1 it says the word became flesh and tabernacled among us and Jesus described himself as the temple On that day he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. They pictured the temple, the building, the structure. He spoke of himself, the temple, the new temple, the new tabernacle in which God dwelled bodily. And he promised that that temple would come 
to fruition in the lives of people like you and me when He promised the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit will come and He will live within you and we will come and make our abode with you so that you will become temples. The temple of the Holy Spirit. And that speaks further not only of us as individuals but it speaks of us as communities of faith. Believers who come together to fellowship and to worship God together That becomes a temple because God comes and dwells there as well. Ultimately, we will see the new temple. Why do you think God, by His Holy Spirit, moved upon Moses and John and the other prophets to write what they wrote in the Scriptures to outline these things that I've just so briefly covered? Well, remember initially the scriptures God gave to Israel, the Jews, His chosen people, the children of Abraham. And He gave it to them to instruct them, to enlighten them, to teach them of His plan and purpose for his creation and furthermore what role and responsibilities they had in that plan and he wrote through Moses to prepare the children of Israel for their entrance into the promised land where they would experience God's covenant promises to them and then he sent the prophets to warn them and to remind them of their violations of the covenant And how parts of the covenant not only included God's blessings upon them, but part of God's covenant also promised judgments upon them for when they would disobey. And he sent the prophets to warn them, to correct them, and to tell them how they had violated their covenant, and to call them back to God. And all along the way, God reveals his grace. Grace began in the garden. Grace began in the garden when God provided the garden for Adam and Eve. And He placed them there. And He provided for them with great abundance. Even before they sinned, God displayed His grace. And we read about His grace over and over again throughout the Scriptures. God's grace revealing himself to his people, reminding them of his promises and of their responsibilities to him. It also has significance for you and me. We are not unlike those children of Israel who disobeyed and violated God's law. In fact, we're just like Adam and Eve who rejected God in the garden. How could anyone reject God's presence in the Garden of Eden and trade it for something that a creature recommended and you would respond quickly and say how could they ah I've got you my friends because you and I do that every day 
We do that every day, don't we? We trade fellowship with God for things that the creature suggests to us. And our lives are literally filled with things so much to the full that we do not even have time to fellowship with God. They serve as a reminder to us as well. God's plan marches on. He has made provision for sinners like you and like me to find redemption in Christ Jesus, His Son. And that through redemption by His blood, God can reconcile us back to Himself. He can recreate His image in us by the presence of the Holy Spirit. He can restore us back to fellowship. And it comes through simple faith in Christ. Have you done that? Have you done that? Have you trusted Christ as the only Redeemer? As your Redeemer? Because the day will come when only those whose names are found written in the book of life will enter the final city. And if you do not have your name written down in the book of life, you will not enter. But you will be cast out into outer darkness, the scriptures say. So I ask you one more time, have you trusted Him? I call upon you today to trust Him. Some of you have. Some of you have. I rejoice with you. I have trusted Him. If you have not, make today the day when you trust Him. Let's close this prayer.